Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in mid-October 2022. And welcome to episode 89, What's Happening with Math at Your School. First, we want to give a shout out to Dawn Dibley. She tweeted about our episode 84, What Are Your Favorite Math Routines? She said, I'm not in the classroom anymore, but my favorite routine is which one doesn't belong. I post one every Wednesday on my personal Facebook page and my friends respond. When I see people in real life, they tell me how much they like it, even if they don't respond. Good love for that. you, Dawn. I yeah. love that. I think I'm going to start posting more math stuff on my Facebook page. People are going to be like, Laura, yep, that's what I'm going to do. So thank you, Dawn, for that inspiration. There we go. <laughs> well, our reflection for this week, we're going to talk about our book club that we've been doing. We've had four meets with our Building Thinking Classrooms book club. Karina, it's just getting better and better every time we meet, isn't it? It it really is. It's been uh, not only like a highlight of my day, but it's just been, it fills my cup. You know, it really does. Fills my bucket. It's one of those bucket fillers. What's your good news for this week? I was picking up my son from middle school and he, I have him walk to the dollar store because it's much easier than going through the car line. He walks to the dollar store and I pick him up and I, I told him this time, I was like, I'm, I need to buy a few things. I need to get a few things for my classroom. So just come inside, come to the dollar store, find me and, and then we'll go from there. Anyway, so he, he did, he came in and I, and I could hear Mrs. Cousins, Mrs. Cousins, Mrs. Cousins in the dollar store. And I'm like, what, what is happening? <laughs> Because of course, my, I mean, obviously he doesn't refer to me as that, right? But right. So he he comes he comes around the corner and he's like, she's over here. And I'm like, what? who are you talking to? <laughs> anyway, it was a, a student from last year that had also been walking and saw him and I guess followed him <laughs> into the dollar store because they saw my car was empty and they came into the dollar store and Oh my gosh, he was so excited to see me. He was so excited. And I was so excited to see him. And I, you know, I was saying, Oh, how's middle school? And he said, It's not as fun. It's not as good. Did you I'm hug like, him? Oh, you miss me. Did you I hug didn't because no, I didn't, because he was all sweaty from PE. <laughs> <laughs> like middle school sweat. Like, nope, nope, nope. nope. We're gonna nope. just keep a distance. <laughs> keep a distance. Anyway, so yeah, so he was like, Yes, I'm I'm like, so do you miss me? And he's like, Yes, I miss you. <laughs> It was so sweet. It was so cute because, you know, as a fifth grade teacher, you don't get to see those kids often. Nope. You know, you really don't get a lot of feedback back from them and how are things going. And I always tell my students, you know, please email me. Let me know how you're doing. I love to hear from you, especially when you've moved on and you because they all go to different middle schools too. A lot of them just get spread out. Uh, and you don't hear from them again, right? So I I keep I always emphasize that at the end of the year. Please email me. I love getting emails from students. And I will say this year is the first year that I've gotten a lot of emails from kids. It's the most I've ever received. 
So from I don't your, know if it's from your last year's class. last class. Yes. From last year's class. I don't know if it has to do with COVID. I don't know if it has to do with just the connections that we made last year. If that was just a, you know, a special bunch that just things clicked, but it was, it's just been so nice. It's so nice to hear from them. Oh, and you know what else? It was funny too. As I left the dollar store, I, I bumped into another student from the year before and he was just as excited to see me too. <laughs> so I felt like a celebrity at the dollar store. It was quite exciting. It, it is very <laughs> exciting, right? When they see you and you see them, you feel like a rock star. Truly. Did I, did I tell you what happened to me at Target a few weeks ago? No. So I'm checking out and it, it was obviously a new employee because it was like one of those temporary name tags. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, how are you doing? Thanks for working. And he was like, you taught me math. I said, <gasps> I did? And I'm looking at this huge kid and I'm like, who? I'm going through the Rolodex in my head super quick. Like, who is this, right? It was from the school you and I were at, uh-huh, before wow. we left. And I said, what's your name? He tells me his name. And it must have been the year that I was stepping in for another teacher and I was teaching that whole math block. So I, I, of course I walked over and I gave him a big hug and I said, can you just tell me something? What do you remember the most about our class? And you know what he said? I'm thinking he's going to say something fantastic about, you know, the way we were learning math or something. He goes, you made us dance. (laughs) You're absolutely right. I made you dance because every 30 minutes, everybody knows they're going to get up and move. Yeah. So, hey, if that's what he remembered from my math class, have at it, you know? (laughs) So great to see former students, though. It is. So let's get into this week's topic. What's happening with math at your school? I have a few things to share. Do you want to do you want to go first or go ahead? Okay. well, the first thing I want to share is about last week's professional development. Remember I said I was going to have an hour and 15 minutes? No, it turned into one hour, by the way. Yes, of course. I had to chop it down. But it was all about teaching students, really the teachers first, about using and choosing strategies, right? Which I got from our friend Jenny Bay-Williams and John and Giovanni's Figuring Out Fluency book. And I I did the session with K2 first, which was amazing. And then I had a little break in between. And then I did the 3-5, which was great because the K2, I kind of timed it out. I knew I had overplanned a little bit, but I fixed it, you know, for the the 3-5 group. But a couple of things that had happened in that PD was I got to talk about how there's no alligators and no butterflies in math. We're taking out all animals for the tricks, right? Because that's not effective at all. And then we got to talk about, and they got to do different routines and strategies and games. And then, of course, I always ask on a reflection sheet. I give everyone a reflection sheet. And there were three questions, like what's your biggest takeaway, a commitment you're going to make to do, you know, with this PD and something else. I don't remember what I said, what I wrote on there. But the last thing was, would you be willing to make a commitment if I could get the funds to get copies of the book to read this book and do a book study with me? And do you know that 16 staff members said yes? That's awesome. 16. Wow. I was blown away. So before yeah. I, I go down that avenue of ordering the books, 
we have the building fat fluency kits. I'm going to say, okay, I want you to read chapters one and two of this. We're going to meet because everybody has it. We're going to meet and talk about chapters one and two first because all of that stuff came from all, all of that research right. came from Jenny and John's book, right? Yeah. So let's see if, if they'll actually dip their toe, right? But you know what I did? I went into the professional development room, at, you know, the professional development library at our school, and I was mm-hmm. looking at all the shelves. And there are shelves and shelves and shelves of reading PD books. Of course, yes. Not one math PD book. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be another goal that I have at my school is to build the math PD bookshelf because there's literally none. And I thought, how sad. You know, there's, there's, there's a shelf with general PD stuff, you know, about teaching, pedagogy, but all the rest of the shelves are all reading. Yeah. So no wonder we can't get better at math. We don't have anything there. Right. I mm-hmm. will be asking for some multiple copies of many books, but I'll do it slowly because I want people to commit to reading the books yeah. and using yeah. the information. And you had shared that with me. And I think that that's something I'm even going to try to do and approach my principal and say, would you be able to find funds for, and I'm going to start with like building thinking classroom because mm-hmm. that's something that she has seen in my class and she has liked. So hopefully that could be my, you know, my way in. And then I, I can, I can share that with staff and possibly I would have to do it in the summer just because everyone is so overwhelmed during the school year to add something else. I, I don't think that I would be able to get, you know, a lot of participation. Right. Right. Of, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But if I, if I presented it like that, maybe she would purchase the books for a bunch of teachers and then maybe we could do it over the summer. I think maybe, maybe we could do something like that. I think that it would be, it would be great to do. So thank you for that idea because even, you know, for me, I, I think that that's something I could do. And For me, my focus has been a lot on strategies. This conversation this week that I've had with a lot of people has come come back to what strategies are you using, right? And uh, actually, I was at a training on Monday and we had the conversation of what's a strategy versus a model because a lot of teachers were using those interchangeably. And uh, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, what is a strategy versus what is a model? And I, I know even, I think Pam Harris just did a, just released an episode not too long ago with... What's a strategy? What's a model? Right. So there's lots of things out there already. I don't really want to go into that, but but the two strategies that I think are underused and I am using them and I'm going to focus on them this year are constant difference for subtraction because holy guacamole (laughs) is that ever, and that's not the word I want to use, but I'm keeping it, you know, G-rated. Um, G for guacamole. Uh, yeah. Um, wow. D- do kids not know this strategy at all? No. How like, would they? They've never seen it before. It, I thought it was in something that they learned in like in like second grade. Didn't they? Didn't they do constant difference? I mean, should they? Yes. Yeah. But did they? Okay. No. Right. Or it was just presented as another algorithm 
to memorize right. and not meaning behind it. Right. Okay. So I, I've been really, I mean, and obviously now with decimals, constant difference makes some questions so much easier to solve, right? If I have 18 minus nine and seven tenths, why am I going to want to do all of that regrouping when I don't need to? So I'm going to change it to 17 and nine tenths minus nine and six tenths, right? If I take away a tenth from both numbers, you're compensating, right? right, But I'm just sliding, right? I'm, I'm shifting the difference over to the left by one tenth. Now I have numbers that are so much easier to subtract I can still use the standard algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. But now I don't have all that regrouping nonsense. And that's where kids make mistakes is the regrouping. Right. So can we get them to see constant difference? I mean, yeah, I know we we also – I also talk about adding up. It's not the only strategy. Right. But it's definitely underused. And so for me – that's what I'm that's what I'm focusing on. Okay, I want to push your thinking here with constant okay, difference because yes. I saw a tweet and honestly I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about with the constant difference or even compensation, but making the subtrahend, which is the part that we're removing, the second part of the subtraction expression, making that into a friendly number, right? So let's yes. say you're doing uh, uh, and I didn't. So the pre- same question I had: eighteen minus nine and seven tenths. Nine and seven tenths. So build it up so that it's ten that you're yeah. subtracting from, right? So you're going to do eighteen and three tenths minus ten. Yeah. Right. Yes. And that's just. An, I just want to put that out there that that's something else that you can. It doesn't always, you don't always have to go to a friendly number for the mini right, end. Right. It could also be for the subtrahend because removing that whole number or that easier number might be easier for them. That's true too. No, that's okay. a good point. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And then the second strategy that I want to focus on is doubling and halving. Oh, and I think yeah. I've mentioned this already. Oh. Um, but for multiplication, I mean, can we just double and half? Please. <laughs> oh my goodness. Gosh. Well, oh. the 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 challenge is when you get down to an odd number. Right. And but you know, I was I actually again with something that Pam Harris just I I was looking at one of her resources that she has and she went down to it was 19 times 50 and then she just went 9 and 5 tenths times 100. Ah. Uh, doubling and having. Right. That one's nice. That was nice. even with a even with a decimal. Right. Ooh, that <laughs> one's great. Yep. It can work. It just, you know, it depends on how you approach it. Speaking of doubling and having. <laughs> Well, I kind of, I, I used that at one point during this, but one of the fourth grade teachers came to me this week and said, you know, my kids are supposed to be doing multiplication with standard algorithm for three digit by two digit. And she's like, some kids aren't even anywhere near there. Some are yeah. just approaching two digit by two digit and some are just, you know, single digit. They don't even understand what multiplication is all about. So I had planned to go into her room the next day 
And I thought she was going to be teaching and I was going to be jumping in. And she kind of handed the reins over to me. And the first thing I thought of was Pam and Kim, thank you, with problem strings. So I started out the board with, I said, I have one pack of gum and each pack of gum has 12 pieces of gum in it. How many pieces of gum do I have? And they all said 12. So I wrote one times 12 equals 12 on the board. Yeah. And I said, well, what if I have two packs of gum? And we got two times 12 equals 24. And then I jumped to 10. I said, well, what if mm. I have 10 packs of gum and there's 12 pieces? And somebody said 120. I said, how did you know that? And they said, add a zero. And I said, no, no, yeah. no, 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 that means plus zero. I said, we can place the, the zero in the ones place, but that we're scaling it up by a factor of 10. I'm just trying to get them to just use that vocabulary, right? Yeah, so then same. I said, well, mm-hmm. what is five groups of 10. And somebody said 60. So um, I jumped to 15 groups of 12. And I was crossing my fingers that somebody mm-hmm. was going to put five and 10 together. And they did. Yay. Right? And as I'm doing that, even the teacher who wasn't familiar with this went, oh, like that verbal, wow, like, does that always yeah. work? And I was like, well, let's find out. Does that always work? So I put three times 12, which I went back up, right? And so somebody put the one and two together to make the three and the 12 and 24 to make the 36. I mean, the kids are all talking about all this, not me. So then I put seven times 12, hoping that somebody would grab the five and two. And they did. Well, actually, somebody said it's 84. And so that person just knew that fact. And I said, well, how could you figure it out if you didn't just know that it was 84? And they went back and said the five groups of 12 and the two groups of 12. So then I said 25 times 12, because I'm figuring now we're two digit by two digit. That's one thing that she wanted, right? Let's strengthen that up. And finally, somebody said 10 plus 15 is 25. So we can add 120 and 180 now to get them to realize it was 300 and not another number that took a hot minute, but somebody finally got there. So then I was like, all right, what's 50 times 12? I figured let's just double the the 25 and see what happens. Crickets. I mean, crickets. And I have great wait time. You know that, right? Yes. So I finally said, well, what's 100 times 12? And somebody said it's 1200 or 1200. So I write that on the board. And then I, I said, oh, 100 groups of 12 is 1250. What, what relationship does 50 have? And somebody was like, oh, it's half of 100, so it's going to be half of 1,200, which again took a hot minute for them to get 600, which was fine. Then I wrote eight times 12 on the board, and somebody said five groups and three groups because that was already on there. I said, well, is there anything else on the board? And finally, someone said one group and seven groups because that was also listed on the board. And I right. said, is there anything else? And they were all like, no. And I said, well, what about, huh? Three groups of 12 and three groups of 12 and two groups of 12. I was like, that's another way we can make eight groups of 12, right? Right. So I'm trying to just get them to, to see all of this. And at one point, I don't even remember what, I think I erased the whole board and I put a different problem on there and I drew out the area model and I started just drawing all the, the grid because I was like, it's not a procedure. Yes. And I know in the past, this grade is known for saying at my school, the box method. And I wanted to yes. grab that and say, it's not, it's the space in here, it's the area. And so I, when I drew it out, 
Then I would cut it and redraw it down below to double and have it and double yes. and have it again. And I got to this really long thing that I was off the board, you know? So I said, hang on, I'm just going to redraw it. It's going to be a little smaller. And I think that blew the teacher's mind too. Cause she was like, wait, what are you doing? What What's happening yeah. here? Cause yeah. they were messy numbers. They weren't very nice numbers. So of course uh, I'm chopping it up as much as I can doing different ways of distributing it. Well, Hey, if it's, I don't remember if it was six, maybe it was six columns. I, I was like, how about we do three and three, or maybe it was 16. And I said, yeah, you can do 10 and six. And someone said, you can do eight and eight. I was like, absolutely. Right. right. Like all different ways to do things. What else is happening with math at your school? Well, it's been a one thing. And again, I like I said, I was at a training on Monday. It, it the big push has been, you know, being in a community of learners mm. and creating a community of learners in for, your for the teachers your, or for the students. In your, yes, in your school for teachers. Mm for teachers to go into each other's classrooms and for teachers to see other teachers teach. And I just attended the Saturday reunion held by Teachers the College. Reading Project. Yeah, yeah, Teachers College, the Reading and Writing Project. And Lucy Calkins and her faculty of, of amazing, brilliant minds up there at, at Columbia University. And it was the same message. It was the same message. It was it was get into other people's classrooms and go in there with a with a mindset of what can I borrow from this teacher? What can I use in my own craft? Right, right? How can I improve my teaching? And she shared this anecdote in her closing session. I loved it. I so I'm going to share it here with everyone. She shared that she had gotten home from from her day, whatever it was. She was really exhausted, really, really tired. So she got on the stove, made herself, you know, boxed macaroni and cheese, put the milk in, all that stuff, made it all, and then just took the whole pot because she couldn't even like she was just so tired. She couldn't even put serve it to herself in a bowl. She just took the whole pot, put it on her chest, and like sat on the couch and just ate it right from the pot. And she thought to herself, gosh, I hope you're not what you eat <laughs> because here I am eating this terrible artificial nonsense, right? And and then she says, which is just oh, so beautiful. She says, I don't think you are what you eat. I think you are the people you learn with. Oh. And that is just, oh. It's so true. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> It's so true and it's Say so again. good. Say it again. You are the people you learn with. I have to steal that from her. I know. It's it's just beautiful. It really is. And so I think that for us in our in our book club and for us in our learning communities and in our in our schools and with our with fellow teachers, I think it's just important to remember that and to surround ourselves. We have brilliant minds around us. We yes. do. We just we have to figure out how to how to open those doors. And that's that's been like the challenge that's kind of been presented to me this week. And it's not a challenge I really want to take, Laura. I'm not gonna lie. It's not one because that um, it's gonna be hard. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be hard. Well, I have a, a suggestion, a recommendation. As soon as you said about people coming into the classrooms, the first thing I thought of was Robert Kaplinsky and his hashtag observe me. Observe me. Movement. Mm -hmm. And so maybe 
you know, put a QR code out there and say, when you come in, please look for these things and give me feedback on these things, right? Because right. you're giving, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable. Did they talk about that at your training? They did. And they talked about the whole creating a pineapple chart. Yes. For your for your teachers and and linking it with videos of teachers, but yeah, I it's it's going to be a challenge. We we have to figure out what we're going to do because it's it's definitely the problem too. Is everyone's teaching during the day, right? So how do you get people in other people? How do you get teachers in other teachers' classrooms when you're supposed to be teaching too? Right when you so, when you share the same exact schedule, right, and you don't right. have a coach at your school, right. So there's oh. no one who can just jump in and. Well, that's when you call on admin. You send them an email and say, um, "Please come in and teach a lesson. I'll plan it if you want. You can sub for me, or you can come up with your own lesson. And I need you know thirty, forty five minutes to go into somebody else's classroom." Right. That's what needs to happen. It's it's going to be it's ooh, it's a big one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just that's all I can say. I don't know. Okay, so speaking of challenges, we're going to come to our challenge to everybody this week. We want to know what's happening with math at your school. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.